Shall we begin? Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure? It's time. It's time. Yeah, you need to say it's time. Stay calm. Help. I need somebody. Help. Don't ask me a question. If you don't want to hear what my answer is, I'm going to answer it. Not just anybody. You know I need someone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It's that time again for Shock Therapy. Evan, right now. On the Vent Lab. July 2020. Pastor John Wesley Crockett in the studio today. Your questions getting answered in a theological way. It's going to be a good show. We got some good questions, good topics to cover. Some heavy things, in fact, but good time to talk about it. I love shock therapy because without our listeners, we're not able to do this, but because you participate, submit your questions, insights, feedback, whatever it is, we want to let you know that we hear you, see you, and recognize uh, your existence through the Vent Lab and the ministry of shock therapy. Speaking of existence, I'm here as well. So before you turn (laughs) off the podcast, thank you everyone. (laughs) I'm here to give you a logical explanation to... Uh, what? Huh? Oh, I was just gonna what? say uh, before hi, we before we get started. Yeah, by the way, hi Rebecca. Uh-huh. Before we get started, Rebecca, <clears throat> I must ask you a question. No, shut it. How are you? I'm great, Nathan. I'm great. You I'm do, actually a little irritable right now, which is so unusual for me. Right, um, it's super I out am of the ordinary. A little uh, fired up and irritable. So, uh, and yeah. that is so not like you uh-huh. every other day of the week. Well, you know what? When you freaking shave your mustache into this like silly like swirl thing, uh, I didn't shave my mustache. Okay, at when all. you shaved your beard around your mustache, so it does the stupid like swirly thing <laughs> on the corners, just to annoy me, it makes me a little bit irritable. Like. How am I supposed to work with this? I cannot help the fact that God blessed me with curly hair, and by gosh, if my mustache wants to curl up at no, the ends. No, you guys, he looks like Toby Flenderson from The Office when he grows out his Toby mustache has no for curl. prostate awareness. That's pretty famous. It do- I don't look like Toby Flenderson. <laughs> I don't look anywhere close to Toby Flenderson. No, it's pretty close. If you wore, like, the wireframe glasses... It's pretty spot on. I'll tell you what I look like. I look like Alex from Call of Duty Modern Warfare. <laughs> and I may or may it not. It is not true. I am going to take a picture and post it post after it. this podcast if tonight. At I, this time, I asked Nathan if he did this just to irritate me. And he said 70% of it was just to irritate me. Which means 30% of it was by my own volitional uh, just wanting to see what it looks like. But mostly you just wanted to annoy me and you were successful on that because I'm annoyed. Like, I am super annoyed about it. So any, any like outlandish response to any of these questions tonight, all the blame is going to go on Nathan causing me to be more irritable. Rebecca, I'm not going to lie. I have gotten more compliments on my facial hair in the last four days than I have like in the last four years. That's not entirely accurate, but pretty close i've gotten it's not like a compliment like dude your mustache looks so good even if they're saying that what they mean is man way to go for really going out on the on the ledge and and doing something extreme it's called being a trendsetter yep mm -hmm. and by gosh if i can do it well let me do it well and i can and i will 
I really, really wish we could all wear a mask right now so I could avoid seeing this. You know what? We can wear a mask. You go right ahead and wear a mask. I am not at the moment. (laughs) I do in public where it's required and I don't throw a fit about it. Correct. Correct. But at the moment, we are social distancing. Right. And you don't need one. Exactly. Anyway, let's just move on. Let's talk about something else I'm irritated about. Right, yeah. Something not uh, so controversial? Well, well, no, I can't nah. make guarantees that it's not so controversial. It's but shock therapy. It's Mom, controversial. Uh- <laughs> Stephen Furtick. Oh, you're going, yeah, that is controversial. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We'll feed so, in. Here we go. I don't know when he tweeted this, but yeah. it was a short while ago. Okay. Uh, seven two, so uh, on the second, July second, seven thirty a.m. So apparently, he tweeted something super controversial because a lot of people are flipping out over this controversial, controversial tweet that he tweeted. Honestly, I can't believe it. The audacity of this guy. Okay, so. I have heard before people saying that Stephen Furtick said things that were controversial. Don't remember any of those, but I've I've heard it said before. And today I was scrolling, scrolling through social media and I came across this video that was addressing this tweet by Stephen Furtick. And I was like, what on earth could he have said? By the way, for those of you who aren't familiar with who Stephen Furtick is, he is the lead pastor mm-hmm. of a very popular Church. Large, Elevation Church? Large Elevation church. church. Very large church. Mm-hmm. And so he already gets quite a bit of uh, flack. Yeah, that's the word I was going to use. Because he's a young dude who's, who's a pastor of a large church. A pastor of a large church. So anyway, just wanted to <sighs> so context. The, I, I was seeing so much on social media about this that I was like, okay, I need to go check this out. Dig what deep. could he have said? So here was yeah. his tweet. Brace yourself, guys. This is a Christian who tweeted that. He said these words. You already are enough. Cannot believe that. What, like, who does he think he is? You already are (laughs) enough. Unacceptable! So if I dig down theologically, I'm go. going to go ahead and conclude Get it. that by him saying you are already enough, it means that Jesus coming to save you from your sins by dying on a cross apparently wasn't necessary. I, When he tweeted that, I bet that was the thought that was in his mind sure. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he said you already are enough. Oh, you know. You know that that's what he was implying. You know, young pastor of a mega church. <laughs> He's just trying to brainwash us. He's saying, listen, he wants, you don't even need Jesus at this point. I'm all you need. guys all to know that you don't even need this Jesus that he's been preaching. Nope. You are already enough. Well, and you, you know, I'm sorry. You already are enough. And you know what the Bible says? A uh, house divided against itself is sure to stand. So by him preaching Jesus, <laughs> he is, in essence, preaching against Jesus. It only makes sense that everything else he's ever said, it's it's all mute. It's okay, all moot. so in case you can't detect the hint of sarcasm yeah. that I am laying down here, pretty thick. I'm being very facetious. Yes, 
because I don't believe that is what he meant when he said, you already are enough. I believe, and I could be completely wrong here. I'm totally guessing on this. Totally guessing. But I believe what he was saying is for those who are struggling with their Mm self-confidence and not thinking that they're good enough and trying to do more to... To be accepted, he's saying you already are enough, which is a phrase that I would be like, that's super encouraging, mm-hmm. especially during this, especially during this pandemic, mm-hmm. because I can't tell you how many times I've been working so hard, more, more hours than I've ever worked before and still don't feel like I'm good enough or that I'm doing enough. And so those words, you already are enough, is a huge encouragement to me. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Guys, he could be saying mm. that I don't actually need Jesus in that statement right there. You know, it's crazy because I kind of grew up in a circle of of very, very like strict churches of like, like girls are wearing floor length skirts and like weird polos and dudes are wearing khakis and also polos. So a lot of polos. <laughs> a hey, lot what's of polos. polos? I don't, They're keeping J crew in business, I guess. I guess. And gap Walmart. <laughs> anyway, but it was, it, uh, you are enough was one of those things where it was like, um, no, that's heresy. Like you are not enough. And the amount of self deprivation that you grow up thinking like, Oh man, God, I'm worthless. I know I am. And I like growing up now that I look back, it's like, holy, like, I I can't look back and say for sure that there was damage done growing up with that mindset. But I've certainly progressed further now that my mindset has changed. Because here's the, here's the thing, right? Is that God created us in his image. And so being like, wow, I'm worthless. God is like, I'm sorry. What? Like, I created you. Who are you to say whether you're worthless or not? You know, like, I don't know. The friggin' bird has a pretty nice house, and it's not worth much. And you're made out of my own image. You know, whatever that Bible verse says. The the worm and the and the bird and they all have food to eat. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The early bird the gets eats. the worm. Yeah, Is that the that's it. That, that's it. That's it. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, J. West, hold on. We're gonna let you respond here in a second. Correct everything yeah, that we just so said. Funny. Probably I love so this. far off from. But like, I don't know. It's such a, it's such a weird mentality to have of like you you aren't enough. And don't get me wrong. Okay, I am not enough to save myself. And I think that's what a lot of people who are uh, convicting uh, Mr. Furtick of is like he's by saying you are already enough or you already are enough. They're saying that he's implying that you don't need Jesus to make it into heaven, which isn't the case. That phrase can apply to so many more situations than that. Definitely. And I can't believe that we're even having a discussion over this this little sentence that he said. So silly. And it's one of the things that infuriates me that I find that as Christians, we do a lot. Like, 
We just take one little thing and we're like, oh, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that means this. Obviously, they had ill intentions with this. Like, (laughs) why do we as Christians, like, nitpick other Christians like that? Like, seriously, that's, that's not his intentions in it. That's not where he was going. And I think we need to hold each other accountable when we're, you know, out of line with something. But... No, I don't think that's where he was going. But Jay was, you tell us if that's actually not yeah, the case. You know, we're think, totally off base here. <laughs> Everything you just said just points out the fact that we are super critical of ourselves and super critical of others, which highlights what? Romans 3.23, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So there we are on level playing field. For God so loved the world that he sent He sent his one only son. So what does that say? He's saying, I'm looking at you that I don't love you any more or love you any less than I do right now. So that also tells me, because of the scripture, that what Stephen Furtick is highlighting, that short little sentence, is already having a Christ-centered gospel focus because God looked through all of our junk in our lives. When we get down on ourselves, in our sin nature, he said, I'm going to send my son to die in your place for your sin, your jacked up life that we ultimately deserve death and separation. And I think in that statement is just highlighting another angle on the gospel of Christ. So he's not omitting Christ. He's saying God's looking through the window of space and time into your very life. It's jacked up already because of sin, but giving you the hope that you can say, man, I'm creating God's image and likeness. I can have a relationship with God. I mean, that's freeing. So if anything, I mean, Jesus has made you My enough, goodness. but he didn't have to say, yeah. Jesus has made you enough. He just said, you already are enough. There Some things is. can just start somewhere. go without saying. Exactly. You got to start somewhere and then you build on that. That's foundational. So, you know, the fact that the critics are out there just highlights the very fact that we're all <laughs> on level playing field. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And preachers get a lot of criticism. Yeah. Like they can't say anything right. Like everything that they say is going to be torn apart yeah. in the billion directions there's always those people that are loving and supporting like they're out there and these people who are so critical all the time they're rare it's just a few of them yeah but for that few yeah that has to always be critical of what a pastor says and twist it to make it sound like they had other intentions with with what they said just stop it stop it like that's so annoying quit it Mm. quit it Here's what one person replied uh, against Stephen Furtick. Uh, The text was, you already are enough. And he said, yes, enough to go to hell because of my sins against God. But I'm not enough to save myself. I need a savior. I need Jesus every day. I look to him to be enough, not to myself. What Christians really need to hear is this. Jesus is enough, which is true. But that's not the point that was being made. Like, there's no argument against that. Yeah. Stephen wasn't even preaching when he said that. Like, no, it was just a, t- it was just a tweet. It's like, here's your encouragement for today to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then people are what like, I mean? wrong. Yeah, they're like, you, st- <laughs> you know. <laughs> what was going. what was that? What I'm just saying some say? preacher terms, okay? That was a not, big drink of coffee. You not just every tweet that preachers or or Christians tweet. Yeah, they're looking has to, to be gospel focused. Sometimes you just tweet. You know, it's like Rocky Four and Drago. They're like, we must break you. You know, it's like they want to tear apart something that you're trying to bring life into someone. And they're like, nope, it's not good enough. Wow. You got to start somewhere, dude. Yeah. You start somewhere, build the foundation. 
mm-hmm. make it happen. And maybe him tweeting that is like, maybe he felt like God spoke to him that morning because he was struggling with where he was. And God told him, you already are enough. And maybe he was like, you know what? That really encouraged me today. I'm going to tweet that. And now everybody's like, let's tear him apart. You know, there's statements like, if you would have done this or what you shouldn't have done, or I I would encourage you to never, or sometimes you always, those simple statements that all of us resonate in our human nature are all red flares of saying, I don't feel worthy enough. I don't feel good enough in that way that I should. And the fact that the gospel speaks very clearly through that to give us the goodness of God, to bring us out of that so then we can in turn speak life. That's what I think he's doing in the context of that simple tweet. My goodness, what are we doing? It's like when Jesus addressed the Pharisees, he's like, you speak death all day long, which he's saying your throat is an open grave. <laughs> he's like, y'all are punks <laughs> because you're killing people with your words rather than turning them to the goodness of God. I think Stephen Furtick has clout in that way to be able to say a simple statement to a person who has not had their heart regenerated that gets them thinking that, hey, this pastor knows where I'm at because I was feeling not worthy enough or good enough or why do I even exist? When he's starting to bring life into that frame that there's darkness and no existence of God, it's starting somewhere. And it's like there's this community, like you said, Rebecca, there's like this community of just like pen poking at it, all of it. And it's just, it's messy. And during this pandemic for pastors, they're not with their congregations as a whole right now. If churches are back there, it's it's very minimal. And so the pastors aren't seeing their people. They're not having regular conversations with their people. And so the only people that they're usually seeing right now are their critics there, you know, uh, maybe on rare occasions they'll hear a piece of encouragement, but anytime that they're hearing from their congrega- congregation, it's discouragement and criticism. Yeah. And so it's really, really hard for people in men. It's hard for everybody sure. right now, but Everyone. specifically what pastors are dealing with right now is being torn in two different di- directions from their congregation of half of them feel this way and half of them feel this way, but the only words they're getting is discouragement right now. It's really well said. I think that speaks volumes, not just to those in ministry, but those who serve in just maybe a ministry role that are just trying to help figure it out. What's the best case scenario for everyone? Well, there's no easy answer with that. I think what Stephen Furtick did right there is just to try and start somewhere so we can for those people who follow him as their shepherd of their church family, let's give some playing field to just starting somewhere and let's build on that. I think he would ultimately bring it around just seeing his ministry work. Cause I enjoy seeing his ministry and the way it's thrived and blossomed and those that he's, you know, the way that he cultivates messages. I think there's some creativity there that we can all expound on, but what it does, it gives an opportunity to circle back around with here's the overarching hope that we all need. And that's Christ and Christ alone. That's where I get from it. He has such a creative way with his team, with his ministers, with his lay leaders, however you, you would describe those who are in ministry with him. There's just a unique approach to starting somewhere. That's a good takeaway. So so uh, just to recap, <laughs> stop being little punks, you Christians. Did I say punk? Yeah. I think you said punk. I think I did at some point. Wow. 
You punk. High school flashback. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Unacceptable. That's what it is. Mm. Good. That's good talk. You know, I love the fact that you can get to somewhere like, hey, you're all right now because this next listener talks about loss in her life. So this listener texted and saying, hey, listen, um, lost my dad. He, he passed away recently. Um, no relationship with her mom that's still living. Uh, trying to figure that out. On top of that, not being a person of faith. So very genuine, very real. Also, um, a relationship that she's in is not going well. That was the last thing. So, thank you. That was really sorry. Well. Didn't tandem. Mean to no, jump it was perfect. No, this is good. <laughs> so you have a mixture of what's happening in this person's life, and so thank you for texting that in because there's no easy approach to this because you're going through grief and loss. You crave for a relationship with your earthly mom that's non-existent, and then you're in a relationship that probably maybe has some not healthy measures in it. It's a so lot. There's right now. That's a lot of imbalance. So number one. I just want to tell you, listener, that one, you're not alone in that. Number two, there's hope for you in all of it. And that the grief and loss you feel is absolutely normal. That's a part of how we're wired, how God put that in us to to just grieve over when that relationship ceases to exist. So um, what you're feeling in your anger and your frustration, your doubts, or even depression, um, just don't stay there. You know, make sure you're talking, but also letting others know in your grief and loss even with this lack of relationship with your mom, just let just let them know like what you need from them in the sense of, hey, I just need you to listen. Do you have a few minutes? You know, give yourself time frames, but don't overdo it in a way where it becomes more out of balance. But set some attainable goals within that. And I know, you know, I'm not a licensed counselor by any means. I'm taking from life experience what I've seen God do in people's lives in similar situations like yours. And I want you to know, you will get through this. Right now, it seems like you have tunnel vision, but listener, you will get through this. And there's a lot of things ahead of you because of how you're going to grow in this and from this. And so, again, there's no easy answer right now, but that those around you who give you a listening ear, just let them know what you need and then just stick to that plan because that will help you in all of these areas. And I really hope it's something, if it's your desire that it comes back around with your mom, that you know, that would open back up because that will help you in that process of growth, just for you personally and relationally. There's so much that we could unpack here, but without knowing all the details, we can't really address what's going on in the relationship. We're just specifically addressing the loss here and feeling like you don't have a parent. And I know in times of loss where I felt like I was missing my support system, um, and this person said that they don't really have a strong faith, but it doesn't matter where you're at in your faith. You can cry out to God and, yeah. and pray for those relationships. And whether it's a blood relationship or not, God's going to send that support yeah. system. He's not going to leave you floundering Correct. T- to not have anybody, but um, to have that support system there. So in tandem with what you just said, Rebecca, is one way God shows himself right now, he shows himself through the church. And that's being a resource in a vehicle of hope. And that would be my counsel, like you said, is just being able to um, take with who you know and what you know, and then going to a church family that would love you and embrace you and be the presence of Christ in your life, so that as you're saying, I may not be a person of faith, but I'm willing to start somewhere, that's where you start. And I'm telling you, it is overwhelming in a good way. 
<laughs> and in regards to grief, one thing that's yeah. really helped me along the way when I've lost somebody is I realized when you first lose somebody, you only have tiny little short moments where it's not painful. Yeah. And as you continue to process that loss and time goes on, those moments that aren't painful get a little bit longer and a little bit closer together. And eventually, your goal is to work to the point that those moments that don't hurt are more than those moments that do hurt. Mm -hmm. And so those moments that don't hurt are almost like an island in the midst of pain. And so know that when you feel like you're drowning in the pain, that an island is coming. And so just cling to those islands and the land will get more and more and the water will get less. Yeah. And you'll be more more stable as time goes on. That's really well said. What cool. are you doing? Why are, you cool. just, are we waiting for something? I'm like, why is it just so quiet? All of a sudden, just like, eh. <laughs> I don't like dead air. Yeah. yeah. Is is Nathan supposed to say something? Uh, I got I got nothing. I think you guys. Oh. I think you guys nailed it. He no. was staring. I was like, hey, we'll go for it. No, I, I was I just listening. Say go for it. <laughs> I was just listening, man. I was just awesome. I think you guys nailed it. Cool. When we do shock therapy, we leave Jay West in control of doing transitions and things, and it's really hard for me because I like to be in control. Yeah, and so moments like that are killer to me. Yeah, well, I'm looking next? at Nathan as like on. a courtesy, like oh, the thing is getting to say something. What's I'm next? Like, Go for it. No, I got nothing. I think you guys okay. nailed it. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think I have enough life experience to really. Uh, okay. Have anything I to misread say? your uh, your nonverbals. <laughs> okay. This is a stupid mustache. <laughs> it is it's a great mustache. Tell you what, you're going to post a picture of this on um, our Facebook page. Yeah. And there's going to be so many com compliments. Mm -hmm. We're going to let Facebook <laughs> be the judge of this. What are you going to do if people really, really like it? <sighs> I just have to wait till you're sleeping so I can shave it. Are you going to drive an hour to my house? <laughs> uh, you fall asleep on my couch regularly. Weekly. True? Weekly. And you're, like, I've stuck my finger up your nose before and it didn't wake you up. I feel like, I'm feeling pretty confident that I can shave those stupid curls off your mustache without you waking up. Even if I get just one, that'll help. I'm not gonna fight that, because it might be right. Might be right. Talk about losing a friendship. Nah. Right? Dude. Nah. It's like walking up to Rebecca and just snipping the like <laughs> the front of her hair right there above her eyebrow. <laughs> you know, or, I've always sorry about that. Thing. That's not the same thing. I've always sorry about that about little that. flip. Like you see somebody with like super long hair, like what would they do if you just came up and like chopped it like real short or something? Or like somebody who has a mega long beard or they haven't like clean shaven in like a decade or yeah. more. Like what if what if you did just like I don't know. Like, what would you do if somebody just punched you in the face? Well, that's what would happen yeah. after I did that. Uh huh. Yeah. But, but that's fine. I can recover from punching in the face. Like if if you get like a, a solid like yeah. <laughs> part of your beard shaved, then it's like, do you just be like, all right, well, I'm just gonna be bare in that place on my chin, or do you just? Oh, it would just match the other side. Trim it all off. I'm not talking about me <laughs> specifically, bully. <laughs> all right, Jay West. Here's another question for shark okay. therapy. What do we do whenever Christians are the bullies in our, in our life? Uh, this coming from the guy who 
shaved his facial hair the way he did was just to annoy me. That's not 100% true. 70% true. Which isn't 100. (laughs) And by the way, I'm a freaking genius, by the way. I trimmed my beard and then took a picture of the beard trimmings Mm -hmm. and sent it to Rebecca and was like, check it out. Trim my beard for your sanity. And what was my response? I don't remember. No, you didn't say you trimmed your beard. You said like, did something for your sanity. And then I was like, oh, is that your ear fuzz? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do something nice and she just punches, punches back. Oh, my gosh. What other questions do we have? Well, this next one, Nathan's actually going to springboard into, but it has to do uh, with someone who's got a background in the military. Yeah, it's about depression. Yeah. So <laughs> so I'm the one that gets to talk about it. I don't know why that is. <clears throat> anyway, this is what it says. It says, uh, good afternoon, shock therapy. Let me start by saying that I've always been a strong Christian, but I've struggled with depression throughout my life. The veteran community as a whole has a massive problem with post-service depression and veteran suicides. Well, back in May, one of my best friends from the military took their own life. He was a father and a motivational speaker and just a great friendly guy to everyone that knew him always the first person you pick if you needed if you uh oh to pick you up if you needed it and dedicated his post-military years to helping other veterans after he died i started feeling as though if he couldn't make it through his struggle then what chance do i have it didn't take me long to just accept the fact that i would soon leave this world and there was nothing i could do about it I'm not by any means unhappy with my current life. I love my wife, our daughters, and my, uh, and my life dearly. But with all the doom and gloom that this year has brought on everyone, his death was kind of the last straw in a way. For about six weeks or so, I kind of faked my way through life, putting on a smile while keeping everything to myself, but knowing deep down that I was simply rotting away eternal, internally. Eventually, my wife was able to tell that something was off with me, and was finally able to get me to open up. I told her everything about my friend and how I had been, uh, and how I had been feeling. She was very understanding and I immediately felt better than I had in months just talking to her about it. The last few weeks I've been working on myself, praying more and being completely open again, essentially returning to how I was before. To everyone out there struggling, not just former service members, please reach out to anyone you can during your times of crisis. It's truly amazing that what opening up can do for you whether it's to the lord or just a friend getting it out there is a first step to recovery where did rebecca go she disappeared is she crying (laughs) i think she is did you leave so you wouldn't cry did you just notice i wasn't here i was so into it dude i legitimately did it anyway wow yeah i cried when i read that that's it's very moving uh, uh, that's a lot um, and, and first off, I just want to say thank you for your transparency and for, for including us in this part of your life. Um, and for the encouragement for others going through similar situations and also good job about opening up about it because that's a really big step. A lot of people who commit suicide a lot of people who struggle with depression and they don't get help is because they try to fight the fight by themselves. And 
it's in some ways not possible. I mean, legitimately, there are situations that you were not made to walk through alone. That's just a fact. And I feel for people who aren't Christians because Christians, at least whenever you're, you're in the pits of despair and you're going through depression, at least you always know that you have Jesus. You know, at least you have somebody to talk to. Whereas non-Christians, man, I've, if, if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't be here. Like, I, I just have no idea how they would even make it through situations like that. Um, as far as anybody going through depression or anybody who's struggling with thoughts of suicide, first off, it's really, it's not strange that this text came through, but last week, suicide has been on my mind for like the last week as far as stuff to talk about. Uh, because last week there was a very popular streamer on Twitch who committed suicide. He was very open about his struggle with depression and everybody knew it. Um, and he would even, because people on the internet are not good people and people would like tell him like, Oh, just kill yourself already. And he'd be like, ah, not today, but someday kind of thing. Like, like in his mind, in his mind, it wasn't even, uh, a whether he was or not. It was a when. And it, it was really just sad to see the decline. Um, but then to see the amount of people that he affected, not just family members, but friends, coworkers, um, people who watched him on, on the daily, you know, and then after he committed suicide, there was this whole, this whole thing where people were talking about it and stuff. And it, it kind of became a positive thing in a way. I think it affected a lot of people negatively because like uh, this person in their text said, you know, if he can't make it, what chance do I have? Um, and, and so I think there was that negative effect, but it just kind of brought it on my, my mind of like, Oh, maybe that's something that we should talk about. And then on my way here, I was listening to a message by Charles Metcalf, uh, from transformation church. And by the way, if you are struggling with depression or thoughts of suicide or anxiety or, any anything even if you're not it's a fantastic message and i highly recommend you look it up on youtube just type transformation church it was like three no it was two weeks ago by charles metcalf he's the guy with the mustache Mm -hmm. super good where he opened up about him as a pastor struggling with thoughts of suicide and so I'm driving here. I'm like, wow, there's that topic again. Like, I kind of don't want to talk about this because it's kind of a heavy thing, but maybe we should. And then as I was driving here, Rebecca texted me. I was like, hey, did you read that text that we got? And I was like, I bet it's about suicide. <laughs> that means we're going to have to talk about it. So thanks. Now we're talking about it. And I'm all uncomfortable. But here we are. You are rocking it because you started somewhere. You laid a foundation of starting somewhere, and now we're getting a plan of action in place. It's great. Yeah. There's some helpful resources to find a source of encouragement to come back to. You know, because this listener texted in, very easily they could watch this this pastor, hear the truth that he shares, even in the midst of the struggle, and then come back. It's just this reciprocal relationship that... You know, that shock therapy provides, so way to mm-hmm. go, Nathan. But what's some things that stood out that he said? <laughs> um, well, actually, one of the things uh, from this message, 
I'm just going to play the the part because I'll probably get the quote wrong. It's not a very long quote at all, but it's more of a, a topic or a mindset that you should have. But he said something as dad actually told him, I believe. And it really is just some a thought that I'm having right now, even, but like you don't attack the player on the team that you're not worried about. Boom. There it is. So in the context, you don't attack the player on the team that you're not worried about. So, you know, whenever Paul talks about how he counts it a, a privilege that he goes through the struggles that he does in the Bible, mm-hmm. it's well, this, the it's the same thought with depression, with yeah. anxiety, with thoughts of suicide, that the devil isn't going to waste his time on somebody that he's not worried about. I, <laughs> I was thinking about this today because I never played high school sports, but I knew people who did. And they would tell me stories about how their coach would like tell them, okay, this player on the other team, I don't care if you get a yellow card, uh, soccer, I don't care if you get a <laughs> yellow card or a red card or if you yeah. get kicked out of the game. But if you could take that player out, we have a lot better chance of winning. And it's the same thought with these struggles that people are going with because they get this mentality of, I'm struggling because I'm weak. You know, I, I, I'm struggling because I'm not enough. Like, like God didn't put in me the, the power to, to fight these battles, and that's why I'm struggling. But the reality is, is that you're struggling because the devil has to try so much harder to take you out. Mm-hmm. And it's whether or not in these, in these dark moments, all right, if you're, if you're ever by yourself, you're in your room or you're driving or something, and you're having these dark thoughts, think about what it, the implication is if you make it out of this alive, right? What does that mean for the rest of your life? Because you have a purpose. And so if you can make it out of this alive, First off, the devil's going to be ticked because he's do, he's working yep. his butt off, right? <laughs> he's trying. But if if you survive and you prevail, yeah, then it's like, no, I'm not closing this curtain yet. I'm not closing this door yet yeah. because there's so much work that God has planned to do through my life that you haven't even seen yet. Not to mention just the testimony by going through that. I mean, half this message... From Charles Metcalf, Transformation Church. Half of his message was just him giving his testimony mm-hmm. of him being a pastor of a church in his office, underneath his desk, crying, trying to figure out if this was going to be the end or not. And now that he made it out of that, yeah. he's got this incredible testimony that he can share with other people and get them out of their situations like that. And so for a Christian... It's so important that you make it through those things. These, any sort of depression, any sort of anxiety, it's a tool that can be used. Yeah. And you can't lose sight of that. Do you need help? Absolutely. And to be totally transparent, I need help too. Uh, last year we were talking about how dysthymia is a thing in my life. Yeah. And it's like this constant up and down of, of serotonin. One day I'm super happy and then... Two seconds later, I'm like in this pit and I'm driving home and it's like, what's the point? Or I'll go to bed and wake up and lay in bed for four hours trying to figure out, is there any point in getting up for that day? I just want to sleep through the whole day. 
I just want to skip this week. I just want to skip this month. Shoot, if I'm going to skip this month, might as well skip the whole year. And if I'm going to skip the whole year, might as well just skip the rest of my life. And it's these negative thoughts that constantly poke and prod, and they're not all the time, at least for me. They're not all the time, but it, it was enough that eventually I had to put my foot down. And it's like, is God enough? Yes. Was I made to be able to handle this situation? Yes. But it's okay to get help. And I haven't told my parents this at all, but I made an appointment with the doctor. Last year, I had, I had mentioned that the doctor had offered a medication for, for the thymia just to keep levels steady. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to try to fight this fight. And it was like a month ago that I decided, you know what? I'm done fighting this fight. Not because I can't fight it. Not because I can't win, but because there's other fights that I need to be focused on right now. And so I made an appointment with the doctor. I went and I got some Prozac that I can take. And by gosh, I feel great. <laughs> like awesome. the, the, the level of steadiness. I'm not like this fake happy or this mega depressed anymore. I can actually feel full emotions. It's like a full spectrum again. It's like I was colorblind and I put on the colorblind glasses mm -hmm. and now I can see everything yeah. again. And now I can focus on the other fights in life that are more important. And it's not that I couldn't fight the depression fight. It's not like it was going to be the end of me, but I decided, you know, it's going to, this isn't the right fight to fight right now. Down the road, maybe. But I got other stuff I got to focus on right now. I got more important things on my plate. And so use that as encouragement. If you're on the edge trying to figure out, is it the Christian thing to do or is it the weak thing to do? Does this mean I've already lost the fight by going and, and getting medication to help my brain get on the right level where I don't think about ending my own life randomly? Just go for it. There's more important things to worry about. I mean, legitimately, like... There's so much more to life than having this constant fight. If you're fighting the fight from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, then you're missing out on so much. There's other stuff that you could be worried about. If you're married, your spouse needs to see the you that isn't constantly fighting. And they can help you through that. But if, if you have kids, they need to see their parent that's steady. And that isn't this constant up and down or this just constant down. And they need to know that it's okay to have those moments of weakness, but it's also okay to react to those moments of weakness in a necessary manner, even if it makes you feel like you're not strong enough. Because you are. Because God doesn't give us a fight that we're not strong enough to fight. But sometimes you got a lot of stuff on your plate and sometimes you just, you just need to set one to the side. Just do whatever you need to do. Talk to a counselor or whatever. I would encourage you to, even if, even if you're taking medication or whatever. And just, just don't, don't fight it alone. And don't think that you're lesser if you, if you got to, Get assistance. Yeah. 
How are you, Rebecca? I'm just really proud of you. <laughs> I've watched you battle this for years, and to have you come to this point and mm-hmm. to be able to use it in this way, I've waited for this. And it's been really tough. It's been tough to walk that road with you and to see you hurt like that. And you've had a support system that surrounded you and mm-hmm. ha- has been there with you to fight this. You've definitely not fought this alone. Yeah. And for you, doing the medication was the right decision for you. And you had to make that decision on your own. And I'm just, I, I'm just so proud of you because it's been such a long fight and it's definitely not over. Mm-hmm. But you fought it. Mm-hmm. You fought it. And you are worth it. And you are worth fighting for. And There it is. Um, you're not alone. And for the person out there listening who's going through this, man, that speaks. It just speaks volumes of how many people are going through the exact same thing that you have been going through and feel the exact same way that you felt that feeling of hopelessness. Um, There's hope out there. There's Mm -hmm. hope out there. And I hope everything that you said communicates to people feeling that same way that there is hope out there. I was taking a walk with my daughter, Grace, the other night, and she asked me, is suicide selfish? And and that's a tough question to answer because in one way, yeah, it's somebody ending their pain and transferring their pain to somebody else. But when somebody commits suicide, I don't believe they do it for selfish reasons. Mm -mm. I believe they commit suicide because they can't handle the pain anymore. They just can't carry it anymore. But I was telling her, I remember in junior high when I had thoughts of depression and was going through some really difficult times. For those of you who don't know, I was abused as a child and was in and out of foster care system and just had some tough things that I was dealing with that no child should ever have to deal with. And I couldn't see a way out. And I just, I wanted to end end it all. Like I just, it didn't seem like there was ever going to be an end. And so ending it just would cut the pain short and we could just be done with it. But if I would have seen what my life would have turned out to be and what I would have missed out on, I'm so thankful that God carried me through that time and that I didn't follow through on those feelings that I was having because it is a temporary thing, even though it seems like there is no end. It Mm -hmm. is temporary. Mm-hmm. And there is an answer and there is yeah. hope and open up. Yeah. Um, Nathan, I remember you having a really hard time opening up. It almost seemed impossible to get you to talk. And I think your support system recognized that. And we did everything we could in those moments to make sure that you were continuing to talk and open mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Even if sometimes when you did open up, it was ugly. <laughs> Sorry. But Nathan, what you just did right there in like full confidence and transparency was a gift. Like you just put a gift from you today before this listener and everyone listening in who may be resonating with what you just shared and you opened that up for them and you just gave them that gift of hope because you started somewhere. And what you just shared was not easy to share, but it was absolutely real and necessary, not just for you, but for anyone who can identify easily with what you've been going through. 
and all the characteristics that go round and round and round in your mind, but you just gave this gift to say, but there's breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Because you started somewhere and you took action on your own behalf for your self-care, but also it's not just for you, it's for those even involved in your life. Uh, that was that was beautiful. Thanks. We're so proud of you, man. Yeah. It's awesome. Man, that's good stuff. Yeah, I feel like Nathan, it kind of went off Thank there, you for bad. just, no, that was great <laughs> to download because that is, that's why we do shock therapy. That's why we just channel through different life stages and content and even just families just in the day-to-day trying to figure out this final next adventure that is what's happening with decisions for families with schools starting not starting mm-hmm. maybe happening oh not that happening. was such a transition that was a stressor <laughs> and it i mean you can just totally identify with this right okay that's a hard Being transition the, you on. can't just go straight from suicide no. to our kids going back to school <laughs> no, this fall i'm, saying I'm just gonna stop is, you right there i have talked with several families that are like i am overwhelmed with all of this. And it's not just the data. It's like thinking in the future that makes you feel like the weight of the world. Okay, yes. I would agree with you on that, but that transition yeah. sucked. Pretty, pretty delicate, right? No, that <laughs> you cannot just... <laughs> let's just move on and say there is another situation, <laughs> another question that we here, have. Here, here, here. That's, what was, that's what I was waiting for! I think the record screech would have been more appropriate. Maybe. Do we have a rewind? I'm so glad it made you laugh. So next question. <laughs> this is just basically just trying to figure out the next step for family. Like, what are we going to do? Well, here's the deal. Uh, schools are still trying to figure that out, right? I okay, mean, first of know? all, let's address what the official question is because it got lost in the transition. Okay. <laughs> you want to? Yeah. You have <laughs> it in front of you. You're going to read it? it? Silently. I, are you reading to I, yourself? I, nope, I have it right here. So... Here's the dealio about making a decision because anxiety is kind of settling in. Um, what's what's going to happen this upcoming school year? So this family has a first grader. So there you go. With schools closed in March, we weren't too terribly affected by it because spouse's work schedule was going great. Everything's doing great. But then there were some setbacks. And now looking ahead, there's more setbacks. Not quite sure with everything that's going on with this pandemic – trying to figure out where this falls into place. So incredible optimism, but gosh, what do I do? What do I do? Okay, so I'm going Stability. to share my non-professional opinion on non-professional. what is going to happen in the school, the school year. And first of all, let me say, everybody is experiencing <laughs> the, transitions yes. and nothing is normal. Heartache. And, and we want things to go back to normal, yeah. but things may never go back to the normal as we know it. But specifically addressing the school situation. So when all of our kids got pulled out of school after spring break this last year, it was a little simpler because everybody was working from home. We were on stay-at-home orders. And so it was a lot easier to handle that situation. I wouldn't say for everybody, but less people struggled with it. But when we're talking about going back to school this fall, it's a lot more difficult because a lot of people have gone back to their jobs and changes have happened where if they have to homeschool their kids now, 
that's not really a possibility. So I know there's a lot of people that are feeling that added stress right now of what are we going to do when school is back in session this fall? So what is likely going to happen is everybody is going to have three options. Kids will either go back to school full time. They can do a hybrid where Mm -hmm. some of the time they're at school, some of the time that they're they're at home, or they can do all at home. So if you're comfortable sending your kids to school, if they're not high risk, they don't have an underlying health condition that would put them at risk, your kids are probably going to be fine in school with the restrictions that they have in place. They're going to have to wear a mask. They're going to be in small groups. It's all going to be cool. It's all going to be cool. If you're worried about another family member getting it, because kids are usually asymptomatic, which means that they're not going to have the severe symptoms that adults have, you may have to make an adjustment with who your child is around because they are in school. Or you can do the hybrid or you can homeschool, whichever one works for for you. Mm -hmm. So that's probably going to be the situation there. A lot fewer families are going to deal with the inconvenience, but the inconvenience is still going to be there for a lot of families. I know I have a friend whose daughter has really bad asthma because she was a preemie Mm -hmm. and this person's trying to figure out, yeah, I need to stay home with my child because they won't actually go to school, but I had to go back to work. I can't work from home anymore. And so I think a lot of employers are going going to have to make adjustments for those parents to allow them to work from home. But anyway, we make no guarantees on that. That being said, Let's address the fact that things aren't normal and they're not going to go back to the normal that we know them and the added stress that that's causing on people. I've heard the term um, 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 compassion fatigue. And I think a lot of people are experiencing compassion fatigue fatigue right now because of all the events that are going on in the world and when we say you're just mentally exhausted that's where it's stemming from and that has to do with feeling bad for those who are struggling with coronavirus if you have coronavirus the guilt that you have it and that you may have exposed other people um with the whole racial tension thing if you're white you feel bad that you're white Uh, You feel bad for your friends that have experienced racism against them. Um, Everybody just want, or I should say most people, not everybody, but most people want to just be a nice, kind person. And there's so much unrest in the world. We're all feeling exhausted from it. What do we do, J.O.S.? What do we do? How do we work through (laughs) compassion fatigue or any type of fatigue? Or we're all just mentally exhausted because we don't have a routine. And if we have a routine, it's constantly being stirred up and changed again. What do we do? Get a nap. That's what you need. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Get horizontal and just, you know, just take time for yourself. Don't self-loathe, self-care. You know, the fact that if this compassion... He said compassion anxiety, right? Compassion fatigue. Okay. Compassion fatigue. So because everything's a bit cattywampus and out of balance, um, we want to obviously address the very fact that... (laughs) Thank you, Nathan. Hmm? Is that we... um, Wampass. (laughs) I appreciate it. 
<laughs> Thanks for saving that. Hey, play his F word. No, hold on. Wow. Wompass. No, stop. Oh, reeking freak. Uh, reeking freak. Jay West's Christian curse words. That is how... That's what he says when he's feeling compassion fatigue. Yes, that's kind of how I'm feeling. You know what? And go close your eyes. <laughs> Rest. But no, seriously, like, just communicate. Like, it's okay to say, I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer right now. We'll figure it out. That has been one of the most helpful, uh, non-combative... <laughs> thank you, Elvis. Non-combative... Um, <laughs> You know, lessen the moment for someone just to detonate, you know, emotionally is just to go, you know what? I don't have an answer right now, but we will figure it out. Um, there are too many things happening, excuse me, within our culture, our community, within our nation, within our world, that through trying times, finally figured out. Um, so as we talked about having a support system, um, staying close proximity, whatever your support system looks like, because there's no easy answer. My goodness. Uh, whether it's you know church ministry or corporate business, I feel like you're struggling to find an answer to this question because there's no easy answer. You just you you got to talk about it, even if you don't have an answer. I was struggling with this last night, and you got the repercussions of me struggling mm-hmm. with it because yeah, just let you just, just everywhere go. I just turn, listen. there's just I feel like everything that's happening right now is just coming at me, and I'm just Damn. tired. Yeah. And so I tried several different things. Like I went for a walk. We went and got some ice cream. And one thing that's always like my go-to that seems to work, it's like my reset button, is to go wash my hair. And the main thing, the reason why that works is because it's time alone where I have no other distractions. I can just process Mm -hmm. and think through stuff while I'm in a relaxing environment. And I felt a little bit better, but I still needed to just sleep it off and, and start new. And yeah, it's just exhausting. I usually just play video games yep. and pretend nothing's wrong with the world. A real yeah. thing here, the game Tetris. Mm-hmm. So if you have like post-traumatic stress disorder, um, if you play tr- Tetris, it'll reduce the symptoms of post-traumatic stress that's disorder. Great. But you have to do it within hours after the sure. incident. Anyway, Tetris hmm. in general, that's st- a good thing to help you I calm still down. have that. I have that on my original Game Boy from 1985. You bragging? Wow. I'm just saying, that Your thing Game is Boy legit. From 1985? Yeah. It has helped me tremendously. Through your... Post-traumatic stress disorder from your marriage. Hey, yo, I went to seminary. There it is. Oh, you got to deal with those people. Barely afford the batteries to keep that thing running. Ouch. Hey, go to Harbor Freight. Um, Great batteries. Great price. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I might have to check all my Harbor Freight friends. Can I get a whoop? Um, (laughs) But no, seriously. Exactly. But I just think there's no easy answer. Be compassionate to yourself. Keep talking. Keep submitting your questions, 816-787-1511. That will help us with our compassion, not anxieties, but our compassion fatigues. And you are already good enough. Yeah. Don't forget. Cool. You guys are awesome. Thanks for letting me be a part today. You're awesome. Thanks for letting me to rant to you whenever Uh, I'm down in the depths. Lots of good stuff happening. Yeah. All right. Keep talking. Keep sharing. Keep sharing, keep having compassion, and keep listening. Keep texting in your questions or any uh, topics you want us to talk about. 816-787-1511.
That's uh, that's shock therapy. Yeah, from the Vent Lab Studio. My name's Nathan. I'm Rebecca. We out. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.